0: Good morning, Church. How are we all? I won't need this until lunch, okay? Well, I wonder how your week has been. I wonder how your Wednesday was. If if I was to ask you what is your passion, What would you say? You don't have to yell it out, just think it aloud, all right? How would you answer? Passion is an emotion. It's something or someone that we feel really strongly about. And for me, my experience, and maybe for you as well, uh, you've been passionate about a lot of different things over your lifetime. I see a lot of people... Passionate about sport. And now time for my confession. These are pretty rare. Uh, There's been a sale on them this week. (laughs) This one's not for sale. It's got Jonathan Thurston's signature on it. And uh, so it's from a bygone era, okay? That we will leave there. Advertisers will thank me later. This one. Anybody identify this one? Yep. There's a constant sale on these. (laughs) This one, you have to bid for. Okay. This one uh, comes with a lot of sacrifice, and uh, they're not so rare. They, You can buy these regularly. I'll leave that there. And this one I just keep for memory. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, you get it at any $2 shop, I think. And the bag, I'm sad to say, I was using this two days ago at Coles at the self-serve and somebody walked straight up to me and said, go cowboys. <laughs> but it was on sale, 50 cents. But <laughs> I used to be really passionate about sport. I'm still passionate about sport. And rugby league probably at the top of the tree. When I was younger, cricket, always cricket. But just got to wait so long for cricket to actually have any joy, you know. I'm not as patient as I used to be. And sport can captivate you. It can get the, uh, you know, the lonely spots of your heart. And it can get every other spot of your heart if you let it. I used to be so passionate about whether the Broncos would ever lose. I'm old enough to remember that. Now it's more about just kind of chilling out and enjoying the, uh, the skill. And I do like putting on a jersey when I go because it makes me feel like I'm part of the team. Part of what's going on to push the team across the line. Help them with the winning try or kick that golden point, goal that we often see. I'm also passionate about my family. You know, I love my wife, Tracy. Love her dearly. 39.88 years of marriage. I think 18th of July, I can say 40 I love Trace. I never expected to love my kids the way that I do. I think it's interesting that you enter marriage knowing that you've made a decision. Yeah, I had the privilege, at least for me, I had the privilege of saying, I choose you, Trace. I choose you. You're the one I want to marry and stay married to. Now, I understand that's a privilege. I choose you over all the other girls. But I didn't get to choose my kids. God did that. I think that's the whole point of what we do in dedication. You know, we have, uh, from time to time, families, uh, mums and dads will bring their children to the front here and one of the pastors will pray and we dedicate our children. Well, what we're saying is these children are yours God but we will love them. We will choose to love them and care for them and train them up in the knowledge of the Scriptures so that when they are older they will not depart from that. You, you know that thing we do called a dedication I didn't get to choose my kids God chose them but then we have this love for them it's amazing how wrapped up and passionate I have become about my children I love how some of you are passionate about your grandkids just start a conversation with some of our older folk and ask How are the grandkids? And you need to have brought a packed lunch. That's going to be a story, right? It's true. We get enveloped and that's such a good thing. And we're passionate about the things we love and want to engage with. Sometimes our passions are for less noble things. And if I'm not careful, I can get obsessed over things that I think that I need. I've been frustrated with the vacuum cleaner. So uh, one of those fixed handle uh, Dyson things, I like the one that you pull around, right? I've used one of those old ones before. This thing, you've kind of, you've got to go this way and only follow it this way and then kind of move it over and follow it back this way. It's heavy and it's hard. So I've been looking for a smaller battery vac. i bought one actually, the truth. But before that, I got to select from 500 different types of stick vacs that appear on your phone. You know the feeling. You search for one thing. And then you are inundated with choice. Pop-ups everywhere. And it seems to be linked to your different devices. The simplest things can become an obsession. But that isn't passion. That's not passion. Passion drives what you do and who you are. So what about God? Would you say that you're passionate For God. Psalm 42, if you have your Bible with you, talks about passion. Psalm 42 and verses 1 and 2 read: As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Many of us have sung this as a worship song. It was uh, very much used and appreciated. A regular part of our worship sets a few years ago as the deer pants for the water, right? It's a passage that we are pretty familiar with. Most of you recognized it immediately when I put it up on the screen mainly because of the song, and I think most of us know that the song was based in Scripture. It speaks of longing for God as a deer longs for water. It gives us that parallel thought that when we are thirsty, we know we need to drink. It says, I thirst for you, God. It connects with the known fact that we need water to stay alive. We need God to be alive. But if you read the rest of the passage, you find out that the author is in the midst of a real struggle. He says his heart is breaking. He realizes there's more to his life. He has this void. He admits his heart is sad. And as I read the psalm over and over, over the last couple of weeks, I realized that this is a really important lesson for us, not so much a lesson about developing passion. It's really a psalm about keeping your passion alive. It's really the reflection, the testimony, the witness of a human being who realises their loss and wants that loss recovered wants that loss revived, wants to experience what they remember they experienced to be their experience again. And I think in the context, it's about keeping your passion alive when it doesn't go according to plan. How do we keep our passions alive when things don't go according to plan. Because I think if we're not careful, we can lose our passion for God, we can let it slip. People struggled with this for a long time. So I want to take you to Revelation. In chapter 2, God has this warning for the church at Ephesus about this. And as John's writing Revelation I wonder what's going through his mind according to his experience and his witness of what he has seen. But then God gives him this vision to send this note to the people in the church at Ephesus. God says, I know all the things you do, all that you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered that they are liars. You have patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. Sometimes it's our effort that grabs all our energy. It saps us dry. And we do, and we do, and we do, and then we find something else to do. (laughs) Does that sound familiar? We just keep pressing on, and maybe we lose something. We're like an engine going up a hill. We're chugging along, we're... We're chugging, I think I can, I think I can, I know I will, I know I will and we're chugging and we're chugging and slowly getting slower and slower until maybe the engine reaches its limit and it starts running back downhill. That train is going uphill, it's going uphill and it's pulling the caboose and slowly it loses its energy and we just start to break down. Do you remember from Luke 10, when Mary and Martha were hosting Jesus? Mary was busy making preparations. And a picture for me in the kitchen at that time is uh, Martha just making it happen, getting things done, going hard to make all the preparations for Jesus to be honoured and cared for with good food and hospitality. And I ask you, it's not so bad, right? It seems like she's doing a good thing. And Mary was just sitting listening to Jesus. And Martha got pretty annoyed, jealous even. And she finally complained. And do you remember what Jesus says? In Luke chapter 10, 41, the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. I believe the takeaway is that Jesus prefers our personal attention. Do you see that? You agree? Our heart and focus is to be on Jesus even in comparison to the important area of serving and making things happen, which, wow, we all need in our life. So how do we renew our passion? Well, I would say we need to understand that passion comes from relationship. The closer you you get to something or someone, the more passionate you become. About that person. I want us to look back at Psalm 42 and take a deeper look at the context. So here's, uh, here's the first four verses. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. The psalmist is longing to return to the praise and the recognition and the protection of his holy God. The joy he once knew, he's pouring out his soul, he knows he needs to change his lifestyle, his priorities. His devotion needs to be reset back onto God, to get back to his first love and his joy. And this is the lesson that screams to us from Psalm 42. We need to get back to the place where we thirst for him where we long for him, not for what we want him to do for us, not for what we want to get from him, but where we are able to recognise how great and how mighty and how powerful and how forgiving and loving that our God is for his people, where we recognise what he has already done, We need to get back to that place where we understand that nothing else is going to fill us up, that we get consumed with our doing and we've forgotten how to be in rich relationship with the Father. Nothing else can quench our thirst. Nothing else matters. We really should know we need Jesus. And I stated before and I'll say it again, I'd love to know what was going on for John when the revelation of the book of Revelation came to him. And as he wrote those words, what was he thinking and feeling himself? Because he walked and talked with the person of Jesus, saw him ascend, looked after Mary, Jesus' mother, and now was in a cave in uh, forced detention, if you like. But within that cave, he saw the glory of God. And he looked ahead. I believe we really should know that we need Jesus. Nothing else matters. Any relationship requires more than a passion of the heart. Science, psychology will tell you what we as Christians already know. The learning of man will tell you what God has already revealed. They can tell you no more. And they don't know enough. But a strong relationship requires a passion of the mind just as much as a passion of the heart. A strong relationship does need a cognitive and rational commitment to consider the other person important. The depth of the relationship is linked to the level of cognitive reasoning to want to develop that relationship. Is this making sense to you? Knowing the character of someone brings a relationship to life, gives it passion, And ignites the fire that continues to burn. You know, in a good marriage, a man and a woman will continue to build on the passion of the heart by learning more and more about each other as the months and the years go by. You might have heard uh, regularly people saying, uh, not so much the gushy, I'm more in love than I've ever been after 30 years or whatever we may not hear that so often but you will say we have a wonderful relationship have you heard that one we get on so well it's so good because they grow closer as they grow older look at the older couple that have been married for a very long time. They have their issues, but it probably isn't about their relationship confidence. By experiencing life together, holding each other up and providing comfort when difficulties come, we become strong when the other is weak. They complement each other. And there's a very real display that their relationship is tight. It's been growing and growing. They trust each other and know that the other will always be there for them. And I recognize that that's not everybody's experience, but when you see it, you go, that's cool. Because they can't imagine being without each other. And the passion of the heart that the relationship began with remains and the passion of the mind strengthens it. Our relationship with God is a lot like that. The amazing truth of the gospel message of forgiveness and reconciliation with God, our creator, ignites a passion for God in the heart of the believer. And when our cognitive understanding speaks to our heart, it just gets stronger. It's built up by spending time with God and learning of his character. We read and study the scriptures. We read the Bible. We gather to worship him. And as we continue to to draw closer to him, the Lord pulls us into him and we trust him. And what was recognized for Ephesus is... It's become too manufactured, too normal, too comfortable, too much pendulum swinging to me and what suits me instead of being strong and centred on the gospel and the person of Jesus Christ. In Ephesus, may it not be for Northreach. Imagine life without Jesus. I can't imagine what our life would be like without my Saviour. We are transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit to have a heart, soul and mind that is more like Jesus. Our thoughts become his thoughts, our actions begin to conform to his will. And I believe that just also, it's true, one, but two, it makes good sense. God's order and God's will will always make good sense. Not only is it true, it works. Amen to that. It's real. And speaking for me, that's what I want. I want real. but we also always know that this is true. If a relationship is neglected, let's say if a marriage is neglected, if a husband and wife develop completely separate lives, not spending time together, neglecting to nourish their partnership, the passion fades over time. A relationship can die if the passion is not continually stoked. And to renew a relationship that's been damaged by the stuff of life, the disappointment, the hurt, the embarrassment—we need to put some work in. I've uh, done a lot of pre-marriage counselling over the years, and uh, amongst you know a, a bookload of stuff that we get to share. I highlight one thing, two things. God, God, God is Yahweh, God is first, God is love, right? Everything we know about love comes from God, so that's the first thing I highlight. Second thing, get yourselves out of the normal and go and do something that you really enjoy together regularly. And maybe that means fueling your passion. And you need to go somewhere else other than home. So go on a holiday. Go on a weekend away. But if you're able to, never stop doing that. Why? Because we need to constantly build into our relationships. Amen? Constantly make a sincere attempt to Build the craft of relationship, the cognitive, as well as the feelings. And an effort needs to be made, if it needs to be made, to get things back on track. Requires a rededication to the one you love a commitment to love, even when the emotion of love isn't there. You have the cognitive commitment. And I just want to say, God teaches us everything about love and we need to invest in our love. So let's pick on number one. We ought to make sure that our relationship with God is reinvested in all the time because it can fade with neglect and maybe we need a cognitive reasoned decision to get things back on track it may not come from an emotional need it might but let me say rarely, probably in, in the experience of, of me in my lifetime of pastoral ministry I don't see too many people kind of with a A yearning, oh, I just just want to, you know, be swallowed up with God, like do all the God things. I don't hear that. I hear deep emotional need. That my life, I've tried so many things and it just doesn't fulfill me. So tell me what I need. We need a decision to come back to God. In the song Amazing Grace, we hear how precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. You remember the lyric? We need to remember God's love and grace never fades. God's love for us never fades. In 2 Timothy Chapter 213, oh, I love the Scriptures. Listen to this. Paul writes, if we are faithless, he will remain faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Isn't that beautiful? God's faithfulness is a part of his unchanging character. God has always been passionate about us. We may break a promise, but God will always keep his promises. If the passion of your love for God has faded, if the distractions and general stuff of life have robbed you of your passion, now's the time to renew your passion. Now is the time to rekindle the passion through spending time with the Lord God, your Saviour. Maybe it starts with a decision in your brain and your heart will follow. Maybe it starts for you with the longing in your heart like the psalmist in Psalm 42 and your brain will catch up with that. God has a passion for you. And how does any of this have anything to do with prayer? We're in 21 days of prayer. Well, let me mention it this way. Uh, Here at Northreach, we've been trying to practice the ACTS, acronym of prayer, A-C-T-S. Uh, Adoration, confession, thankfulness, supplication. In adoration, our devotion for God will consume us if our heart and desire for God is real. True? So when we come, the first thing, when we come to prayer, the first thing on our minds is to adore, acclaim, give adoration to the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. We won't be able to just come and say, God, look after Nancy, she's got a toothache. It just won't, it won't flow easily from us because when we come to God in prayer, our genuine heart and passion and mind consumed with the person of God, will say, God, you are sovereign in this world and in my life. I love you, Lord. You are my God. In you I trust. And somewhere, somewhere there, you might remember about Nancy. Nancy. Do you get the point? But before you get on to Nancy, you'll be thinking, and Lord, I need to confess that I have sinned against you. But you are great and I am thankful for your forgiveness. And dear Nancy has a toothache. I know you'll sort that out. Do you hear me? Where's your passion? Remember that question? He loves you with all of his heart, with all of his soul and with all of his mind. He loves you so much that he can't leave you alone. His passion for you is so intense that he became one of us in Jesus Christ. He became flesh and blood. He died on the cross to win the victory over sin. He died for you. That's his passion. For you to know the fullness of his mercy, grace and love. So will you come to him? Or will you come back to him? I want us to sit in reflection Three could call them questions, but they're three thoughts. Is there anything within you that can identify with where the psalmist was at in Psalm forty two? What impacts you about God's faithfulness and passion? I know that I've told you this before, but I'm going to tell you again. That at Easter in 1972, there was a man speaking at a camp who's, amongst a lot of other things, simply said, Jesus stayed on the cross looked you square in the face and in his heart and mind said i'm staying here long enough until your price is paid that impacts me and we know in the gospel narrative account jesus Eventually, he says, It is finished. It's been long enough. But he stayed there. When have you thought that it was time to renew your passion for God? Can I ask you to stand for prayer? Father, we acknowledge together in this auditorium that you are God and we are not. We acknowledge that you are sovereign. We confess, Lord, that even as recent as a few seconds or a few moments or an hour ago, we did something that would have separated us for life from relationship with you. We sinned. And Jesus, you pay the penalty for each of our sins, for our sin. And we are free if we believe and accept your gift of eternal life. Lord God, since the moment that many of us made that solemn declaration, we have allowed distractions to cause us to maybe not be always in the place that we want to be in our relationship with you. Forgive us, Lord. And welcome us back because it's our will and desire to come back. We love you, Lord. Hear our prayer. Gracious God. Thank you for your amazing grace.